The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Well, we tried to find some strength coming out of the three-day holiday weekend in the grain trade. Ended up with somewhat of a mixed bag on Tuesday's session. Looking forward to talking about it and more here today on Market Talk. Thanks for joining us on the program. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Great to have you with us as again. We tried our best to find some strength across the board in the grains and oil seeds. Wheat ended up being one of the uh, big leaders of the day. And uh, soybeans, corn did their best to find some green on the screen as well. Markets experiencing maybe a slight short covering type of rally here coming out of the three-day President's Day holiday weekend. Many traders watching some of the headlines out of the Red Sea over the weekend. That had a bit of an impact in the grains, it seemed. Farmers looking for an opportunity to sell the rally is uh, part of why we kind of wavered off some of the highs near mid-session on Tuesday as well. Overall, the fundamentals in these markets really don't seem like they've changed a whole lot. But nonetheless, we did our best to find a little bit of a, a pop and a rally in grains and oil seeds on the day Tuesday. Livestock trade, more of a mixed bag to hire as well. Overall, not a bad day in the markets. We're going to talk about it, get some perspective on today's program. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net is going to join us for a conversation. It's been a little while since we've had Matt on Market Talk with us. He's been traveling quite a bit winter uh, show season he's been speaking a lot to farmers and ranchers across the country so i'm looking forward to getting matt on the show again and uh, getting his perspective on things in fact i uh, cat i caught up with him for a few brief minutes at the national farm machinery show last week in louisville and uh, we talked about some interesting things and just the environment that we're in with uh, where corn prices are and more right now and so I'm looking forward to maybe picking up some of that discussion with Matt here on today's show as well. So again, Matt Bennett with agmarket.net going to join us in segment two and three today. Also at the end of the program, it is Grain Bin Safety Week here across the U.S. Jana Davidson with the Progressive Agriculture Foundation is going to join us to talk about some things that they educate youth on in terms of grain bin safety and some good reminder, reminders for us adults as well. So looking forward to that conversation coming up in segment four today with Jana Davidson from the Progressive Agriculture Foundation. Let's kick things off and get some thoughts on the market action Tuesday. I talked with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX around midday on Tuesday. We talked about some of the rally in the grain trade setting back a little bit near midday. We also looked ahead to what could be in front of these markets next in the next few weeks and also touched on the livestock trade. Here is that conversation with Arlen Suderman from StoneX on Tuesday's Midday Commentary. Arlen, coming out of a three-day holiday weekend, we started higher across the board in grains and oil seeds. Looked like maybe a, a little bit of a short-covering type of rally, but... We've been giving back uh, quite a bit of our gains in corn and soybeans here around midday. The wheat trade trying to hang on. What is uh, your assessment of just how this trade activity has been moving so far today? Well, Jesse, you said it very well. A short covering rally in the grain and oil seed market that uh, started overnight and 
we did see some selling of it as we came into the U.S. day session, but uh, now we're getting some of that strength back once again, especially in, in wheat where it's pretty much stayed the entire time. Uh, it, nothing really has changed fundamentally for these markets other than the fact that uh, we've had a couple of grain ships that were hit in the Red Sea region by Houthi rebels based in Yemen, with one of those ships now looking like it very well may sink. And that's kind of a game changer from the standpoint of strategy, because until now it's been primarily cargo ships of, uh, of uh, container ships, I should say, of consumer goods, and um, in some cases uh, crude oil. Um, and now grain is being involved, and it really doesn't impact demand for U.S. grain that much. Um, but it, what it does do is make fund managers who have big short positions or sold positions in the grain and oilseed markets nervous, as well as end users uh, who have been going hand to mouth because of the speculative short positions are so large in these markets that they knew in the back of their mind if there were a headline that caused everyone to try to get out the door and unwind those short positions at one point. It could cause a sharp rally in prices. Now, corn and soybeans pull back off of those gains because the farmer in the U.S. and in Brazil is uh, undersold in looking for rally to sell, especially in Brazil, where the farmer there has uh, the lowest percentage of his corn and soybean crop sold of the last five or six years. And so uh, really looking for a rally to sell, um, but still kind of holding green on the screen for all three. Well, largely, too, looking for those rallies to sell. And you mentioned the uh, news in the Red Sea over the weekend. But outside of that, it just feels like there is uh, not much else in the way of fresh news. We had the USDA Ag Outlook Forum numbers last week, but those largely got digested by the market and we moved on. So now one has to wonder what's going to be the next big news item that could loom in front of these markets here in the short term, Arlen. Yeah, longer term, we are watching the weather forecast models for uh, center-west Brazil for the winter corn crop, or called the safrina corn crop, uh, which is being planted currently. Uh, planting pace is pretty much on pace with the five-year average at this point. We'll have most of the crop, or should have most of the crop, in the ground by the end of this month, which is pretty much on schedule. But some of the forecast models are saying below normal rainfall for that region for March and April, so that's something we'll watch. We have to see a significant problem with that crop really to boost demand for U.S. Uh, exports enough to tighten our supply since we currently have a 2.1 billion bushel carryout forecast, but it is something we'll be keeping our eyes on. Of course, the uh, uh, the planning intention survey results coming out on March 28th this year will be another item the market will be focused on. In the livestock trade, kind of a mixed tone there to start off the week. I wondered if there might be a little bit of uncertainty to kick off the week in cattle and hogs, but so far things have been relatively positive. Any notes in the proteins for us today? Yeah, as we look at that market, we are seeing a mixed bag in the in the live cattle market where we moved to new highs late last week um, for the move up there just below 186. And now we're kind of waiting for the cash market to catch up. Futures are trading about $5 above last week's cash trade. Uh, packer margins are still pretty compressed right now at this point and with slower chain speeds. This week's total may be closer to 600,000, maybe even below 600,000 head. 
Um, so really trying to slow down the chain speed to help uh, those packer margins. That should provide some support for the product market. Um, and then we'll see if the consumer will pay it. As we look at the hog market overall, that's a market that is once again seeing some strength, pushing the new highs for the move this morning, but struggling to sustain those highs. And once again, that is commentary and analysis from Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at Stone X. He joined us during our midday commentary on today, Tuesday. Give us his thoughts of what's moving in the grain and livestock trade. Again, uh, coming out of a three-day holiday weekend, we found a little bit of uh, buying strength as we uh, worked through these oversold markets. But do we have a lot of upside potential right now, or is the bearish weight just too much at this juncture? Well, that's uh, one of the uh, things we're going to talk about coming up next with Matt Bennett from agmarket.net. He is our guest analyst here today, and he's going to join the show coming up after the break, back with more on Market Talk right after this. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, we saw wheat, the upside leader on the day Tuesday. Corded soybeans found a little bit of green on the screen as well. Is this the start of a wider short covering rally? Is it a dead cat bounce? Is it somewhere in the middle? We're going to talk about that here today on the program. Joining us for a market conversation, it's always good to talk with Matt Bennett from agmarket.net. Matt, good to catch up with you, and uh, thanks for joining us on the show today. I just saw you, you know, a couple of days ago in Louisville there at the uh, Farmers yeah. Show, so I know you've been busy, uh, traveled around here for winter meeting season, haven't you, Matt? Pretty much nonstop, yeah. It's been good. You know, it's <clears throat> been one of those deals here this year that a lot of folks have really wanted to do meetings more so than I think... Uh, the last three or four years, maybe people felt like they didn't need a whole lot of help. And now um, there's definitely a, a lot of concern and, and for good reason. And, uh, you know, we don't celebrate that by any means. We, uh, we're we're going to try and navigate this together. You know, I farm as well. So I understand uh, the challenges, you know, because quite frankly, you know, I started um, all the stuff that I do is off farm income. And it's, it's been, you know, it's been a good way to stabilize the farm, but, you know, uh, in a year like this, it makes it to uh, to where you feel like maybe you're even spinning your wheels a little bit being gone nonstop because, um, you know, the farms may need a little subsidization this year, uh, given mm -hmm. <clears throat> kind of what we're seeing go on. Yeah, well, and and in general, I mean, you know, I'm sure it's not easy for you to go talk to folks when these markets have just been under so much bearish weight, Matt. It's been tough for me to find mm -hmm. positive things to talk about here on the show because, you know, looking at the state of, of where the corn market is, where soybeans are at, uh, these are price levels that we've seen them before, but we haven't seen them in a while. And we're kind mm -hmm. of in that 
that downswing here really across the commodity sector as we begin the year, aren't we, Matt? Yeah, for sure. You know, but most of my career, most of my life, quite frankly, uh, a greater part of it actually than not <clears throat> has been under what I would call tough circumstances from a price uh, point action. Uh, whenever I first started farming, you know, we were LDP in corn and beans every year. And that was a big game. You know, if we could pick up you know, maybe an extra six, eight cents on the Columbus Day weekend, you know, because uh, uh, markets were open on Monday, but the government offices weren't. So, you know, if, if you had up markets on Friday and Monday or Monday and Tuesday, you know, all of a sudden you you, you could uh, better yourself quite a bit. And so, you know, I, I've seen a lot of this. I've seen the frustrations of it. I didn't have to pay high interest in the 80s, but uh, my folks did. Uh, I think the lesson I always tell people that I've learned from that is that actually, I didn't know that the 80s were uh, horrible because I had a really good upbringing. They were great parents, you know. Now, looking back, you know, we didn't have new equipment. We didn't have new vehicles and we didn't take vacations. And so, you know, I think that the farm country has definitely had a, a really good upswing in income, a really good uh, change in balance sheets uh, due to land going from $2,500 when I first started farming to $20,000 now. Uh, but with that being said, there's been ebb and flow all the way through that. Uh, we've had good times, we've had bad times, and 24 definitely, definitely looks like a very challenging year. And 23, when it's all said and done, isn't going to look so hot itself. So, you know, we've got to figure out uh, identifying that. You know, what can we do as producers to be able to uh, uh, deaden the blow, so to speak, uh, manage our risk, diversify our risk, you know, get in a better situation to uh, withstand, you know, something like this that could go on a couple, three years potentially. Well, you and I were, were talking, kind of having a sidebar conversation last week at the Farm Machinery Show, and I know we got on the topic of corn and really the grains in general, but I, I kind of wanted to pick that up a little bit for, for our listeners uh, here today. I mean, you, you know, we got a, a markets here that are just so oversold. Uh, we yeah. got somewhat of a bounce on Tuesday, but I mean, to your point, what's it going to take? to try and maybe get a little bit of a rally from some of these oversold conditions. I mean, Tuesday to me felt like kind of that dead cat bounce type of mm -hmm. mentality. Yeah. I mean, it, are we going to have to go lower for instance in corn to really set a floor here potentially? I mean, what do you think, Matt? Where, where, what are we looking at right now here towards the end of February? You know, over the last week or two, uh, it's felt to me like the market wanted to make a run at four bucks on front month, March futures. You know, I know that that's not real scientific. When you look at the charts, there's not much you can garner out of them, at least on the way down, because you're below all of your support. And so you got to look back towards longer term support, you know. But bottom line, it, it's felt to me that the market uh, wanted to run towards $4 and that, you know, we're probably going to go lower than what we need to just simply due to the fact that we most of the time go higher than what we need to and the funds are moving in uh, in a herd, so to speak. So, you know, you're building a short position, uh, over 300,000 contracts. Uh, but at the same time, at some point, uh, you got to ask yourself, do the funds want to carry a billion and a half bushels of short position into the growing season? And that's not their typical protocol. Uh, most of the time, they want to have the ability uh, to get long the market should a weather rally uh, type situation occur. Now, a lot of people are going to say, hey, the weather rally won't occur basically because last year we had very inclement weather and they're not going to believe a drought talk uh, situation anymore. And I, I disagree. I actually feel like uh, the funds uh, 
they are assuming what a two two right now or a two one seven, and the new crop carry of potentially two and a half billion. Uh, if you start to move that conversation closer to two due to demand, and we know demand's been pretty good. I mean, export demand could actually outpace the U.S. Uh, DA if you know if uh, Brazil has inclement weather. First of all, second of all, I think corn usage for ethanol is likely to be greater than what the USDA currently suggests. So let's say you get down to a two billion carry, you know, and then you have inclement summer weather. I think the funds step in and buy this thing. So. You know, I'm not saying they're going to go long 300,000 contracts. What I'm saying is, is, you know, they may cover most of that short and be in a position to where they've got the balance and the ability uh, to step in and go long this thing if they need to. Um, time, time will tell. I will say, mm -hmm. Jesse, overall, I'm bearish. I mean, overall, you know, I think by this time, um, or I'd say by fall, if you have a decent Brazil crop and a, a decent U.S. crop with 90 million plus acres that I expect to be planted, I think that you could look at some sub $4 decent corn. But what I'm saying is, is between now and then, uh, it would be very abnormal if we didn't see some sort of upward movement, some sort of fireworks in the market. And so, um, you know, I'm trying to encourage my folks if you do want to get floors in place, let's stay flexible, you know, because this market, if you get everyone leaning, Jesse, I can assure you this. If you get most of the market, quote unquote, leaning to where they're going to benefit if this market moves lower, it's going to move higher at some point and it's going to take prisoners with it. Uh, that's just the way the market works. Well, and to your point there, I had this thought in my head, you know, a lot of the funds and the short positions, I mean, just has like this bearish chokehold on the market with nothing seemingly is, is looking to alleviate that position. It almost feels like they're going to have to loosen their grip in order for these markets to maybe see some rallies here, Matt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, the thing is that makes it tough is let's say the funds are, you know, short a hundred and oh, 1.5 billion bushels. So, you know, the U.S. farmers probably still sitting on eight or nine billion bushels, I'd say at least uh, that they don't have, that they can reward the market with. Now, there's been a lot of folks coming to the market with or coming to the elevator with uh, wanting a basis contract to get their hands on some funds. I've got, you know, no issue with that, Jesse. I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket just in case the market moves lower, you know, because it can. And if it does, then basis has to do the work to get the remaining corn out of the farmer's hands. So you don't want to be sitting there with a locked in basis and a lower price uh, basis, the board, uh, whenever your basis would be improving in that time frame. Uh, a lot of folks are taking uh, what I, you know, what we call free DP. And I, I don't want to beat up on free DP, but essentially what you're doing is you're taking your corn out of your bin, uh, taking it to the elevator uh, folks or whoever you're dealing with. And, and they are, and I say this tongue in cheek, but they are so graciously taking your corn off your hands, uh, you know, uh, with no storage costs. Well, they get physical ownership of it, Jesse. And so the bottom line is this. If I put all my corn in their bin, I've got no bargaining power whatsoever. So I don't have a problem with some free DP. It's just, again, I don't want to put all the eggs in that basket. I mean, uh, the thing is, the last few years, we've been able to do lots of things out of convenience and still make a whole lot of money farming because we didn't necessarily have to be the best marketer in the world. In uh, February 24, that is not the case. Uh, we actually have to be uh, really good business people uh, because uh, in some cases, we're going to have to minimize losses. I mean, I hate to put it that way. It's just the way that it looks right now. 
Well, once again, we're joined today by Matt Bennett from agmarket.net. We're going to continue our conversation uh, with Matt coming up here in segment three. Before we get to the break, a few of the closing numbers. March cord was up two and a quarter, 418 and three quarters on the day. Tuesday, December new crop cord up four and a quarter, 463. March beans up six and three quarters at 1179. November up nine and a quarter, 1157 and three quarters. March Chicago wheat up 22 and a quarter, 582 and three quarters. July was up 18 and a quarter at 580. March Kansas City wheat up 18 and a half, 585 at three quarters. July Kansas City wheat, that was up 17 and a half, 572 and three quarters. Spring wheat March 10 to three quarters higher, 665 and a half. July up nine, 668 and a half. We'll be back with more here on Market Talk right after this. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. We're having a conversation with Matt Bennett from agmarket.net here today on Market Talk. And Matt, uh, you and I were talking as well before we went on the air. Wheat was the upside leader on the day Tuesday. Looked like a really strong market. I know all three wheat complexes are are very oversold as well. And I know sometimes in the past we've looked at wheat with it being such a global, globally traded market to maybe be the leader to kind of lead us out of some of these spots. Do you think you, you were kind of talking to me about this? Uh, expand upon that if you can for us. I mean, do you think yeah. wheat could really be the leader here to potentially pull these markets out of the doldrums? Well, I mean, the first thing I want to say is that we've seen it happen before. You know, we've seen it happen where corn, beans, and wheat, they just look pathetic. Uh, nobody wants to buy any of them. Uh, funds are selling them. And then all of a sudden something happens sometimes in the wheat complex somewhere around the world we have a disruption Uh, what we have to also understand is with wheat both domestically and globally we continue to whittle down you know our stocks to usage ratios Uh, whereas we used to regularly run well in excess of 50 percent both domestically and worldwide uh, now you're looking at 30 35 percent type stocks to usage ratios where uh, you still got ample wheat don't get me wrong it's just that there's a lot of folks in the world that are already saying now hold on a second they don't really like how this works because wheat has always been one of those things that people want us to have plenty on hand just in case you get into some sort of a global weather situation. So um, let's say that we end up with this. uh, um, Some folks are starting to call. I've seen a couple of people looking at uh, a really cold shot of air, you know, coming into uh, the Western Corn Belt, Western Plains type situation uh, in the month of March, uh, I believe right in the middle of March. If something like that would happen, 
without much snow cover, any of the winter wheat that you've got obviously could be susceptible, first of all. Second of all, most people are talking about less spring wheat acres planted this year, you know, then uh, so total overall acreage would be a little bit lower here in the U.S. Now, we're not number one by any means, but uh, bottom line is it still could make an impact. And so I'm not saying you're going to take off on this banger of a rally. What I'm saying is, is that if this wheat market would stabilize, sub six dollar wheat uh, given socks use if you compare uh, before you know if you got down to 30 35 percent we've seen very high prices of wheat sometimes and so you know i've got to think that there's a chance you could at least stabilize the market so uh, again i'm not looking for any massive rally in here but i do think that uh, uh, once you start getting people to cover shorts a lot of different things can happen uh, one thing i'll say is if the funds do cover their shorts in the corn market I would expect, even though the farmer's holding on to a lot of corn, I would expect that you could get a 20, 30, maybe even a little more than that cent rally on the board. Now, with that being said, your cash price probably will increase a half to two thirds you know, of what your board price is because basis is going to have to widen uh, for elevators to be able to handle all the bushels that come to town because it's no secret mm -hmm. that the farmer's sitting on a ton of corn. And as those bushels move, it's, it's going to impact basis, no doubt. Oh, that's a great point that you bring up, Matt. And I, I think just in general with these markets, it comes back to that thought of you mentioned it earlier, having flexibility, having a plan. I mean, this is an environment right now where it's ever so important to what you said earlier, you know, Feb 24 here, we got to be smart marketers and we got to have a plan underneath us here and, and be being willing, I guess, to stomach maybe some prices that we don't want to necessarily love but we know that we can make a profit at that level right matt yeah essentially and so the way i see our marketing this year might resemble somewhat to crop insurance so crop insurance you know in the last two years we were able to guarantee a profit margin uh Actually, the spring price was high enough that most people could say, hey, I'm going to make a little bit of money this year if worse comes to worse. This year is not one of those years. This year is one of those years where we're trying to keep ourselves from a disaster. Uh, most people, if they owe anything on any ground or borrow money on an operating note, are probably looking at crop insurance, helping them avoid that sort of disaster, but not necessary to protect a net income, if you will. And so our marketing plan uh, I don't see any huge hurry this early in the marketing year, but if you're uh, like a lot of the folks I talk to, you'd like to protect, you know, a potential move in D's corn from this 460 level, uh, you know, down to $4 because uh, let's just say we end up with a crop insurance price of 470, Jesse, 85% of 470 is four bucks. And so, you know, if you get into a situation where this market plummets, uh, due to, let's say we plant 92 or 3 million acres and you have a good spring. I don't know. But if the market plummets, uh, that move from 460, 470, wherever we might be at the time, down to $4, you're essentially unprotected uh, if you do nothing, you know, other than buy crop insurance. Now, the crop insurance is a great program, subsidized put option essentially, but, you know, can we stomach that kind of a, a drop in prices? Uh, you know, if you protect it, there's ways you can do it. And we've been showing folks uh, cheap ways you can do something like that, just a simple put spread, you know, and then maybe you want to sell a call above the market. If if you buy crop insurance, I don't ever sell calls uh, on a crop that I'm about to plant unless I can buy crop insurance or am planning on buying crop insurance. And then I will sell calls versus at least some of my insured bushels. And so in that particular situation, 
I'm protected on that move from four, from 460 to $4, you know, and I don't feel so bad if the thing plummets. And then if the market goes up and I'm uh, basically forced into selling some bushels at 535, 45, 50, whatever it is, most of us are going to be pretty darn excited at those types of price levels versus the kind of input costs we've got. Cause then we can actually make a little bit of money. You know, you bring up crop insurance on the grain side, on the livestock side, cattle in particular, LRP has been really hot this winter. I know there's more optimism in the cattle markets right now, but your thoughts on on some of the things we're watching in that cattle sector, maybe you've been hearing from folks traveling around, a lot of people maybe using some LRP, things like that. I mean, talk to me about your thoughts in this cattle market right now, Matt. You know, whenever you see cattle prices earlier in the year, uh, before the calendar year turned in the high 190s, um, thinking about some way to protect yourself, LRP definitely comes into play as being a pretty good way to do something here. Uh, I like LRP. I don't sell it. Uh, some of the folks that work with us actually are licensed insurance folks and have had a lot of uh, contacts with other people. Ag market, let me, let me just reiterate, ag market's got nothing to do with crop insurance or LRP, uh, but we have people who work for us who also, you know, are in that game. It doesn't impact us whatsoever as a company, but it does offer some of our folks that deal with a lot of cattle producers another option uh, to manage their risk. And I do like uh, the way that program works. So whenever I look, for instance, at the cattle market, you know, we've got cattle on feed coming up this uh, Friday. You know, Jesse, I think the numbers are going to be pretty low. Most people feel like uh, placements in January due to the weather situation, a whole lot of other factors. Uh, you're going to be looking at probably some pretty low placements, cattle on feed numbers, maybe drop back just a little bit. I do think those numbers pick back up uh, for, for instance, whenever we get out into March, because I think, you know, you'll basically uh, some of the cattle that might have been placed in January will get placed in February. So I don't think that March is going to be a super bullish uh, uh, type uh, uh, I don't know, report, so to speak. But here's what I'm going to say. Overall, the trend continues to get to where we've got less cattle even to place, I mean, available to place. And so with that being said, uh, you know, I think this is a futures market. A lot of these folks want to own cattle. I think that um, the market probably will take a dip sometime this week as you get closer to those numbers because we've had such a good ride here lately. And I think everyone knows once you do get some bullish numbers out there on Friday, you come in next week, you're going to have a hard time rallying because what are you going to rally on? Uh, the long-term implications, even though short-term, I could see a little bit of a setback. Long-term implications are that I don't think the funds want to be short this market. I don't think that they want to short uh, potential placements and cattle on feed numbers being excessively low. And so uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. I don't know if we make new highs, but I am getting in the mindset uh, that a producer who knows they've got some meat on the bone, so to speak, uh, should be stepping in here, managing risk, you know, even though I could see maybe another 10 to $15 higher in fat cattle potentially uh, sometime here in this uh, marketing or, cat or uh, calendar year, uh, but I still want to be managing risk. And you know what? If the market goes on up, it goes on up. I want to put a flexible strategy in place to where I can maybe participate up to 205, 210 if we do see that magical $200 number hit. Matt, good stuff. Before we let you go, anything final you want to share or just uh, reiterate to folks here in, in this window right now? Yeah, I mean, two things. Um, well, I mean, one basic thing. Uh, I've heard a lot of folks that are very concerned on the winter speaking circuit, so to speak, and for good reason. Uh, on the flip side, though, is uh, Louisville last week, it seemed like people were in a good mood. I think everyone's still got some money in their pocket from 21 to 22. But I, I, I want to make sure that we don't get a false sense 
you know, of safety, if you will. I want to, I want to be very proactive about managing risk here. Uh, bottom line is this could be a really tough type of year. And so when we do get rallies, yeah, I want to be in the mindset of protecting whatever rally we get uh, and flexibly be able to put a worst case scenario in place. So bottom line is this market could definitely uh, look pretty rough this time next year. Very true. Well, folks can reach out with questions, find a look at all of your guys' intel and more very easily. Agmarket.net. Matt Bennett. Matt, it's always good to talk with you, my friend. Appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining us today on the show. Absolutely. Thanks, bud. Once again, stellar conversation there with Matt Bennett from agmarket.net. Appreciate him joining us today on the show. A few of the closes again, real quick. Let's look at the livestock side. I didn't get to those closes at the end of segment two. February live cattle down 37, 184.40. April lives down 22 at 187.32. June live cattle 12 higher, 182.95. March feeder cattle 35 higher, 251.37. April was up 180, 255.35. May feeders up 250, 258, 12 on Tuesday. And in hogs, April up 45, 85, 67. May hogs up 15 at 89 even. June hogs up 42 at 98, 17 on the day Tuesday. And again, mostly green on the screen in the grain trade as well, led by Chicago, Kansas City, and Minneapolis wheat on Tuesday's session. All right, coming up next here before we wrap up the program, it is Grain Bin Safety Week. It's also National FFA Week, and we're going to talk about some things uh, when it comes to educating our youth in terms of being safe around the farm and ranch. Jana Davidson with Progressive Agriculture Foundation. She joins us next here on Market Talk. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And joining us now for a conversation during National Grain Bin Safety Week. Always important to talk about being safe around grain bins. Jana Davidson with Progressive Agriculture Foundation is our guest here today. Jana, it's great to talk with you again. Thanks for joining us on the program. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing well, Jesse. Thank you for having me. Well, it is a uh, busy week, no doubt. As I mentioned, it's Grain Bid Safety Week, but also it's National FFA Week. There's just there's a lot of things going on in agriculture right now, and I know this is something that uh, the Progressive Agriculture Foundation and Safety Days. You guys are teaching youth about grain bin safety because you know, as the title of your uh, latest column states when seconds count. And that's what it is all about when it comes to grain bin safety. If there are accidents inside a grain bin, right, Jana? Absolutely. So when you talk about seconds, that really is, it's true. <laughs> um, I think within four seconds, some, an adult like, like ourselves can be um, up to knee deep in green and within 20 seconds, completely engulfed. So that's how quick an incident can occur. And for many of our young people out there, many of our children, they just do not realize um, 
how quickly that can happen. And because they're curious, their size, so many different factors. Um, a lot of times when they are um, involved in a grain incident, it usually ends up as a fatality. That's the sad reality. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I think too, just looking at some of the latest stats that you shared in your column, uh, what was it in 2022, the highest number of grain entrapments in, in what, a decade? That That's a number we don't want to see, right, Jana? It sure is. I think there was 42 total entrapments. So yes, the largest in a decade. A few other big stats, about 45% of the grain entrap entrapments um, did result in fatalities, which again was um, an increase just from 2021. So from 2022 to 2021, we're seeing a 45% increase in fatalities, which is very scary. And then for us here at the Progressive Agriculture Foundation, the scary factor for us is that seven of those involved youth under the age of 21. So, mm -hmm. you know, it just really shows us, I know there's new technology out there, um, there are new practices, there's training, um, there's rescue tubes, there's so many things in place, but it's still showing us that incidents are still happening and that education is so important. Well, let's talk about the education aspect. What are some things that, that you guys are, are teaching kids and teaching youth that at Progressive Agriculture Safety Days, you know, whether they're really young elementary kids, maybe they're kids in high school who are in FFA, for instance, things like that. You know, anyone under the age of 21, like you mentioned, what are some things that you're teaching kids about uh, when it comes to grain bed safety? Well, since our focus is primarily the youth, 4 to 13, and a lot of times we do incorporate those older teens, whether they be in FFA or 4-H, to help us, our message that we really like to send home is that grain is no place to play. Um, so through educating youth, we do some things from showing those potential dangers. We have many different hands-on activities and demonstrations that really incorporate that so the kids learn by doing. Um, we also show characteristics and scenarios associated with grain bin management that they need to, to be aware of. But we never, our goal is to never put a child in or on anything resembling grain because our message is to keep them out. And um, some of the other things that we talk about um, to the children is just, again, about always, not only always staying out of flowing grain, but never walking um, or playing around um, stored grain, never entering a grain bin, a wagon or a truck. Um, staying away from a grain bin while the, um, while the unloading auger or vacuum suction tube is operating. And then in the event of an emergency, you know, I think some, some of our reaction is to, to jump right in, you know, oh, we need to help. Maybe, maybe if I jump in and help, but the, the thing that we need to remember the most is that we need to turn off any equipment that's still operating. So we want to stop that flow of grain. Um, we always want to assume that victim is still alive. And so time is of the essence. And so we want to get them help immediately. Um, and we also want to make sure that the thing we do is calling for help, not jumping into help. So calling for help immediately and never attempting to pull someone out on their own um, is, is really important. And I would say the same. I mean, while these messages are for children, too, I would say it rings true for adults. And, you know, for adults that are working in grain, for our farmers, the, the two critical pieces that they should remember is a always, always be working with a buddy and always making sure that someone knows where you are and what you're doing. And then the second thing is to make sure that you are wearing the appropriate personal protective equipment, you know, and the safety harness and things like that, because we do want our farmers to come out safely.
Yeah, very, very true. And I, I think as well, especially with the young, young children, mm -hmm. I, I think about this as, uh, you know, trying not to set up any sort of misconception, because I know when I was a young kid, I had a sandbox, but it wasn't filled with sand. It had old corn in it. And so yes. sometimes you maybe open up some of that misconception that, oh, I'm playing in the corn here. It's fine, but it's not fine in a grain bin. Right, Jana? You're, you're correct, Jesse, and this is a great reminder. So we're gearing up for spring, and we're going to see a lot of children coming to farms. I think millions of children visit, far visit farms annually, whether it's their family or friend's farm, or they're going on a school field trip. We're seeing a lot of that happen. What a great way to educate children about the importance of agriculture, but let's do it <clears throat> in a smart and safe way. And so if you have an agritourism facility or you're going to be welcoming kids to your farm um, for an upcoming event, it let's not replace the sand with grain. It might seem like an easy fix. It might seem like, oh, this is this is going <laughs> to it's not going to be as messy, but we're sending the wrong message. And we even had a parent bring that up at one of our safety days um, in recent years where their kids went through the session and they said, you know what? That I was just at a you know pumpkin patch this past weekend, and we saw the sandboxes replaced with the with the grain and with the corn, and really that's sending the wrong messages. So, you know, teachers are picking up on that, kids are picking up on that, and then as adults, we need to always kind of be sending the right messages and role modeling. So sometimes that simple fix or, or simple alternative isn't always the best or the safest choice progressiveag.org progressiveag.org for more information jana it's always great to have a conversation with you thanks for joining us on the program we look forward to talking to you again real soon thank you jesse once again jana davidson there with the progressive agriculture foundation joining us here on a market talk today we are out of time coming up on tomorrow's program we'll take a look at markets and get analysis from mike zuzalo with global commodity analytics have a great rest of your day i'm jesse allen thanks for listening to market talk